This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to a special LVO edition of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John, and as always, uh, we're joined by a very special guest this week, none other than the one and only Richard Siegler, who has won, I don't know, about everything this year, but I'll just list off a few for fun. He won Warzone Atlanta, uh, the pro tabletop thing, which was, I think, the Atlanta Open, uh, Nova Open, uh, LVO, uh, LVO uh, and the ITC championship. So, uh, you know, other than a pretty good year for all in all, <laughs> I would say. Um, as always, I'm joined with my co-host by my co-host, Nick Nanavati, who doesn't really need an introduction. He actually has had many years like the one I just listed off for Richard Siegler, you know, multiple uh, uh, Adepticon winner, multiple time Adepticon winner, multiple time uh, winner of LVO. Um, the guy's really done it all. So anyway, Nick, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce us to Richard and and talk to us about what we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, so I'm actually sitting here with my new roommate, Mishard. <laughs> and uh, as you said, he's kind of won basically everything this year, out of nowhere too, since he more or less just started playing competitively this very year. Um, so I'll let him take it away. Uh, he and the Brohammer team made a really awesome Iron Hands list. So we're here to talk about that and I guess his season in general. All right, sure thing. So I'll start with the list. Um, the list I ran at LVO was three chaplain dreads. It had a Primaris Lieutenant, a Primaris Apothecary. It had the Iron Father Pharos. And then it had 40 intercessors, 25 of which were Indominus Crusaders, the specialist attachment from Vigilus. And we'll talk about that a little later. Um, two of those squads were 10 mans, the rest were five mans. And I had three power fists in there and one thunder hammer. Uh, alongside that, I had uh, three squads of eliminators, so nine eliminators total. And then I also had a Leviathan Dreadnought, who was kind of the core of the army. Yes, that's a really interesting list. Uh, kind of similar to most Iron Hands lists, you have their unkillable character Dread, uh, your triple Chaplain Dread, which we're seeing a lot of top players play very recently, pretty much since the chapter approved points drops. Obviously, you have the Apothecary Pharos combo, real Iron Hands, which is very modern now that the. Um, the Psychic Awakening allowed for that Apothecary Warlord trait for 5-up Penal Pain Aura, along with that 5-up Invul. Some interesting choices, too. Uh, no Thunderfires, most noticeably. What's that about? So when the, we were originally designing the list, myself, John Lennon, and Ruben Fernandez, all teammates on Brohammer, the original core of the list was essentially Nick's old list. And slowly over time, we started removing elements of it because um, we were doing two things. One, we were trying to create the a list that played ITC missions the best, and two, trying to predict what the meta was going to be for LVO. Because for a very long time, the we were playing in that older meta, that pre-Imperial Fist, pre-Salamanders, pre-Faith uh, and Fury meta. Um, so what exactly was that meta going to be? 
So one of the first things that I did was I said, no GraphPod. First of all, it's just a tremendous risk against the Possess Bomb uh, and uh, Seer Council. If that thing gets tagged, um, you are in a game-losing situation. And the other thing is, when we tested it into the mirror matchup, Iron Hands versus Iron Hands, the GraphPod was only killing like four, five, maybe six Intercessors, uh, which just isn't value because then it gives up two easy kills almost immediately, possibly three if you bring Scouts with them. Um, in addition, we then went to... What about a Thunderfire? Uh, Nick had been running two Thunderfires, sometimes one. Um, we were testing with one. And really, one Thunderfire doesn't really do enough. It really, And it's also a limitation because, because of the nature of our list, which is very much a midfield board presence army, one Thunderfire either has to walk with the army very slowly or it's way in the back of your deployment zone and risk of being wrapped um, or just killed easily by uh, reserve armies, uh, things like suppressors coming in. So we just felt it didn't do enough. And the matchup where you really want to tremor shells, either against uh, Kraken Gene Stealers or the Possessed Bomb, for the Possessed Bomb, we brought the Nine Eliminators specifically, and we'll talk about that a little later. Um, and then for Kraken Stealers, let them hit some Intercessors and then you kill all of them uh, with ease. So we just weren't worried about it too much. Yeah, it's really interesting. You just decided not to bring the one Thunderfire. Common wisdom, I guess, with Space Marines is that you bring one, just have at least one, so that you have the option of tremor shelling, especially since you have um, an army that parks and Devastator Doctrine. You know, it's actually quite good at killing stuff too. So you mentioned like <clears throat> the possessed and Kraken Steelers, but what about other things like opposing Centurions or other Iron Hands, Dreadnoughts, all things that hate being tremor shelled. So um, you've said it before, this list is Tau in disguise, essentially. And it plays exactly like Tau, where if they have these big, hard-hitting melee threats, my list wants them to commit those threats close to my army as soon as possible. And you'll see that's why I played so conservatively in the final games, if you watched on stream, is because I want them sending those threats to me as soon as possible. Um, and so that I can take full advantage and board control later in the game. So it's really interesting. I mean, now you said I said it, it's true, and you said it yourself. Your army is Tau in disguise. And a lot of players, when they, when you say that, would assume that you don't want the enemy to come close to you. Tau hate close combat. That's all stereotypical 40k knowledge. Since you're not taking tremor shells, you're basically inviting the enemy to come towards you, but you're playing Tau. How does that work? Okay, yeah. So in my Tau list, what happens is I either screen with drones or I put it in such a way if they can't ignore Overwatch that they're going to take the full brunt of my army, which is very scary for most people. In this list, the Overwatch is, isn't that hard hitting outside of uh, the Leviathan because I can spend two CP and Overwatch on fours, um, which you really don't want to take that, that kind of damage. However, um, I can use the Intercessors in the same manner. I can put them in the same sort of T formation, screening my army, and on top of that, I have ridiculous amounts of melee power within this list. Three Chaplain Dreads, the Thunder Hammer, three Power Fists, um, the Lieutenant who can take the Burning Blade if needed. All of that does a tremendous amount of damage in melee. And so I'm not too worried about being wrapped by these kinds of things. And if they're just sitting in front of my army and trade with Intercessors, I'm going to be able to pick them up no problem in my turn. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So you are really just an army that kind of bowling balls its way into the middle of the table, stands on more objectives, and says, I dare you to come do something about it. 
Is that right? Yep. A lot of people were worried initially when they saw the list that I didn't have enough indirect fire, which had become, you know, kind of the name of the game. Yeah. Um, instead, Lennon, Ruben, myself, Rich Martin, we weren't worried about people hiding in their L when we saw the new terrain formats. If they want to hide in their ruin in their deployment zone, beautiful. Go ahead. Our list is designed to take the board control secondaries and not have to worry about kills if we don't want to. So because the army plays the ITC mission set so well, I can take things like Recon, King of the Hill, you could take Engineers. And because the list also denies secondaries so much, um, we just felt that if our opponent is hiding in the L in their deployment zone, we're just winning the game, period. And so they are going to eventually be forced to engage us on our terms in the midfield. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you weren't you afraid of like an indirect heavy army being able to keep pace with you? Let's say Imperial Fist. So you walk in the middle of the board, you hold, you hold more. That's that's fine. You can't really kill anything because you don't want to sight to anything and they're forever inches away. Then they get hold their one objective that's in their deployment zone, and then they get kill, kill more for a three to two primary interaction, I guess, because they have so much artillery. So, of course, Manny Chima's list is kind of the epitome of this. Um, however, in that game, it kind of played out exactly how we figured that, sure, Manny's list kills about 20 intercessors a turn, which is a crazy amount of damage. So by the end of turn three, you're going to have no intercessors, no eliminators, basically the Leviathan and a bunch of characters. However, if you aren't very carefully thinking about how you need to preserve kills for future turns, um, which Manny didn't end up doing, you were going to fall way behind on the primary. And that's exactly what happened against uh, in the game with, yeah. between John Lennon and Manny Chima. So playing it as if Manny had saved some of those, he would have been saving our combat elements and we would have been sending them in, popping white scars with Indominus Crusader guys and just tagging any parts of this castle we could. Right. Let's talk about that for a second. I, I think the Indominus Crusader is a pretty deep cut in your list that gives you some yeah. pretty interesting... Uh, tactics, and I don't think a lot of people really understood what was going on uh, with that. So could you break that down for us as the listeners and sort of describe how all that works and then how you used it? Sure, absolutely. So the Indominus Crusaders uh, specialist attachment comes from the Vigilist book. Um, it's one of the few things that hasn't been changed or FAQ'd away with the addition of Space Marines 2.0. Uh, what it does is you take a Warlord trait, which has to be on a Primaris Captain, Lieutenant, um, or Ancient, and um, it affects other models, um, specifically intercessors and inceptors. So this great Gracia Warlord trait, you declare it once per game at the start of one of your movement phases, and for an entire turn, you get the benefit of a second chapter tactic. So that could be White Scars to advance and charge, that could be Salamanders to ignore minus one AP and to get a free reroll to hit and wound. It could be Raven Guard to get count your army as, you know, the Indominus Crusader models as in cover. Um, and if you're in terrain, you'd be at minus one to hit. So it's really a utility, it's a toolbox um, ability. And although it, I didn't feel it was completely necessary, it's something that could end up winning you games in the late game, specifically being able to pop white scars um, in matchups where you need to move across the board quickly and hit things in melee. Um, and you saw a great example of that if you ended up watching the, um, the semifinal game against Sean Naden. I waited until turn six to pop white scars, and that allowed the big 10-man intercessor squad on the left-hand side to hit um, two of his bikes and his rangers, uh, which was extremely effective. 
And were you, so obviously this is something I consider with my Ironheads also, it's a relatively slow army because ultimately it's just infantry that moves and advances if it wants. So giving it that burst of speed, I found really useful to get to a further objective or just engage your opponent out of nowhere when you needed to. Uh, especially with the chaplain dreads you have, you have the option to get a plus two inch charge mechanical thing litany for your army, so that can be a real big burst of speed out of nowhere. Did you ever use any of the other uh, Indominus Crusade things? I ended up popping salamanders against um, Brad Chester turn two to prevent him from dropping the grav sense in. I still thought he might play aggressive at that point um, because I had positioned my army in such a way where he could hit either of the flanks. Um, and I made the flank that didn't have an objective more tempting. But I think I should have just saved it for White Scars at the bottom of my third turn, pop that and had the 10 mans go into the remaining three uh, Centurions to finish them off, and then give me board control for the next three turns. Um, that would be the only thing I'd change. But by and large, I think I used Raven Guard once. Um, Which game was that, out of curiosity? That was against um, one of the Iron Hands mirror matchups. Really? From yeah. this one to hit? Over for cover? Yeah, when I was had part of my army in cover. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. to make it even more, you know, just saving an intercessor or two is worth it, honestly. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, the Salamanders thing for Centurions, it sounds like it's really good on paper. It makes me basically immune to AP minus one. And Centurions, Bam Raven Guard is going to have 10 million shots at AP minus one. Um, but it's just not something you need. You're going to want to play that game from the back half of the board experience you're just going to sit in the corner the entire time until you can deal with a sense and then you need to be able to get onto those objectives in the later turns so it's good that you were still able to against chester i actually thought you were going to fall short by one turn so being able to still come back even without white scar is really cool yeah i would have actually so for salamanders the real reason the real uh, matchup i would have used that was um whenever nick would if i played against nick's white scars list or nick roses the turn they had to come in I was going to pop that at the start of my movement phase so I'd have it um, whenever it was their turn three when their reserves would come in and then ignore the minus one AP on the Reavers from Assault Doctrine. Little did you know, I was going to come before that in tactical, coming at you hard. Yeah, well, then it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, it's really cool. I think the Indominus Crusaders is a pretty cool uh, tech you put into your list. Did you ever wish you had anything of a more variety of units, maybe suppressors to give you a little bit more mobility mm -hmm. or even infiltrators, not that you really want to keep people away from you, but sometimes it's nice for Centurions, I guess. Uh, anything different list-wise you considered? The or original version before we saw the final mission format or the deployment format, um, we had two suppressor units and a Thunderfire. And I tested this list at a GT uh, a couple weeks before LVO. And I really wasn't impressed by the suppressors. It's very nice. They come in for reserve. They can get angles on things like opponents' thunderfire cannons or characters by the end of, you know, bottom of turn three. But they just actually don't do enough damage without master artisans. I have and noticed that. So it's from switching to successors to regular Iron Hands, their reliability has gone down a lot. Basically, them and the thunderfire cannon, I felt like I could have played all the games without them. And so I said... What, what's the matchup that's kind of scary um, that I don't really have a lot of specific tools for? And that matchup was chaos. And so that's why we started thinking about eliminators. Interesting. So I look at your list and I feel like it could actually benefit a lot from a unit of centurions, just being a really brutal counter charge. Um, 
So you, I see you splashed all these random power fists and thunder hammers, which is kind of similar in effect, but having something like a unit of five assaults and cheerings doesn't give up gangbusters, waste max points on it. And behind intercessor screens, that will solve possessed right there. They can't slam into you and then get countercharged by sense. Um, was that something you looked at at all? Um, we did look at it because Centurions are also an excellent target for Cogitated Martyrdom and then for the Apothecary's heal ability. So I think they're great. Yeah. Um, you can also take Hurricane Builders for extra anti-horde if needed because the list outside the Leviathan doesn't have a really high rate of fire. Um, so it was something we played with, but we felt like three Chaplain Dreads was just enough. Enough counterpunch. Plus all of those yeah. um, special weapons. Now if you could do it again, would you stick with three Chaplain Dreads? Were they that good, or was it just a little bit of mm -hmm. they look that good, but they don't really do anything kind of thing? So at the end of the ghost round where I had played Matt Shuckman and we were doing the interview with Stat Center, he actually made the joke that um, because my Chaplain Dreads didn't really do anything the whole game, they didn't really get a chance to, I could have played that you know 600 or so points <laughs> down and still have won the game. So I, I like them personally, and I convinced John and Ruben to bump up to three Chaplain Dreads. Uh, if I was to write your, my version of your list, it would have had two. So I preferred the three version because it just gives you that extra punch long range. And that ended up being crucial in games like um, the one against Justin that, Lewis. That's actually a really good point. When I have played Eric Hands, I found four reliable ice cancels, like two too few. Too so swingy. Yeah, so having, that, having six game. does kill a tank. Very important. Yeah, so I just felt it was more reliable that way. And you have the benefit of a third litany. And litanies are absolutely incredible. Amazing tool. They can't be denied like psychic powers. Um, and by and large, they're fairly reliable. But they're not like, this needs to absolutely go off. If they were, then we would have taken a regular Primaris Chaplain to get the uh, Master yes. Sanctity. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so we've talked a little bit about your list. Um, one thing that sort of occurs to me is I would describe your list as a catcher's mitt. I mean, I realize that there's more nuance to it than this, but this is sort of a simplification of the plan. But you move to the middle of the table and you say, look, here I am. You can either let me score all these points standing on all these objectives or you can or you, you can engage with me. So like you're coming to me one way or the other. Right. So you, you literally have built a list that's like, come at me, bro. And then it just counter punches anybody that comes into you. So if people come, I actually think it's a mistake to come into you piecemeal. I think if you're going to go in on that list, you have to go in with everything or nothing. Does that seem about right? That is 100% correct. And that is precisely why if you watch the game against Sean Naden, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't playing ultra conservatively just because I didn't realize what I was doing. I was playing it that way because my eliminators were slowly picking off tools and the intercessors with the spending three CP to snipe characters, like picking off the Farseer. Naden's list is extremely scary if he hits you with everything at once. Okay, and just traps you there for a couple turns. Instead, I took away while picking off little things, you know, taking two Shining Spears away here, taking two there, killing a couple characters. I took away his ability to hit me all at once um, with everything that he had. And by that point, he just can't do enough damage to my Iron Hands list. It's just far too durable. And we saw that in that final turn. Um, so the list, if you can't hit it with everything at once, and you try and go after it piecemeal, you're just never going to do enough damage overall because I can bring back intercessors with the apothecary, I can heal the leviathan or any of the chaplain dreads. So it's very, very brutal if you kind of try and chip at it. It just yeah. doesn't work. It's basically impossible to chip it because the apothecary heals, the vehicles heal, 
It's just so durable. So my plan for you was with the White Scars, or this would really work with any fast assault army um, with some moderate durability, uh, was to basically play a, a null game, you know, hide as much as humanly possible, hopefully be hitting an even number of objectives. So it's harder for you to get hold more one of those missions. Hopefully I won the role for second turn so I could not just get bullied on that primary. But if I, let's say those work out for me, I get an even number of objectives and I have second turn. My plan is literally just going to be stall out as long as I can, take all board control secondaries, like engineers, recon, that kind of stuff. Hold out till turn five, maybe even turn six, and then just go all in at once because you only have one turn to retaliate. Because in a standard fist fight, if I go into you early, like turn one with this, like Sean's list or turn three with my white scars, whenever armies are able to go in, we're going to lose that attrition war the longer we play it. So I wanted to limit your ability to counteract. Is that, do you think, the right approach? I mean, it could have potentially worked. Uh, against you, I would have taken uh, Recon, King of the Hill, and uh, Engineers and just sat there, got the four points, and then moved away from your castle. Um, so basically gonna, daring me to do something early on again, then, wasn't, and, and then when you're prepared to do it and I have a points lead, just walk away from yeah. it so that it would take you actually two turns to really hit me. Right. That makes a lot of sense. But do you think that's a general approach where you go on at once towards the end of the game? Or do you think there's, I think, think it just doesn't matter. Both Sean and Chester did it. And those were the two closest games I played the entire tournament. Mm -hmm. So I think there is some viability there. Uh, it's just not a guaranteed win. No, no, you know, not it's not even. I don't think anything in the game can say I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's too good at what it does for you to just have. Yeah. So it's more of a this is a possible strategy that probably has a decent chance, but not. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this is, is a lot of thing. a lot of normal go-to strategies simply won't work. So you have to think a little so, about box of it. Yeah. I guess that is a little bit of a weakness of the list. Um, not having indirect fire allows people to pick up engineers against you, for example. Um, mm -hmm. So I mean that's something to consider. Uh, they can play I, I more. Of a... have it. It's four points. Yeah, as no, long as I you're can't. not giving up twelve. So um, it's I... because you can get all of your secondaries irrespective of what your opponent's taking. Whatever not... their list is, whatever their you're deployment. You can is. take three board control secondaries and actually get them, which is enormous because no other army can really do that. Yeah. Tau. Tau. <laughs> Tau and skies. <laughs> Did you ever wish you had a librarian? That was one change I would like to make. No, I felt he's way too expensive for what he brings, honestly. <laughs> 88 to 98, I prefer, because of the snipers in the meta, right. I don't think the base librarian is actually that good. Right. You're paying 88 points to potentially just lose those I, four wounds. I like him specifically for Chaos and Tau, because he does have access to that Null Zone, and against Chaos also Psychic Fortress. I don't think Null Zone's an actual play against Tau, honestly. Uh, it's a Hail Mary. It's like, a Hail Mary, it's, but... It's where I look at it, yeah. It's not like a turn three, run up there, cast null zone, shoot the tower with no interval. It's like maybe if you've killed all the drones, there's down with riptides and commanders. You can catch a riptide, the null zone, then blow it up for free, basically. I can see that. But, but no. We're <laughs> just shaking his head at me. <laughs> no, I just I don't think it's that reliable. A couple of people have tried it, and it just never, even if they got, no, got it off, they just didn't do the damage. And then I guess they're a librarian along yeah. with a bunch of other stuff. Right, right, right. Um, but in terms of the Iron Hands list, I didn't need the plus one to hit, didn't really need the healing power because the Chaplain Dreads really aren't getting shot at, and it's just the Leviathan, and Pharos is gonna is the boss. Um, and then the um, plus one save, or taking Might of Heroes, it's nice, but I want to tempt them to shoot at the Leviathan. I don't want to stack every buff on this guy and be like, you know, okay, just go ahead and shoot the rest of the stuff. I want them to actually shoot at the Leviathan. Right. It's like wanting people to shoot at the Riptide over drones. Yeah. Yeah, you it's think, kind of... Oh, go ahead, John. 
Oh, I was going to say, it's, it's kind of interesting um, looking at your list design because um, it looks like the overall design is you have very, very, like the minimum you could spend on characters. I mean, you are, you do spend a chunk of points on characters because of the chaplain dreads, but those are, those are sort of the exception. They're not really like support characters. They're last cannons, you know, <laughs> so they're, they're a little different. And then, and you have like what, one Lieutenant Pharos and, and the apothecary. And the apothecary, who are all like super necessary, but there's no fat in the list. There's not like a random captain running around. There's not um, like every every point in that list is very efficient, is how I would describe it, I guess. Yeah, the captain, the librarian, they were all trimmed in the list design phase where we felt, you know, they just didn't bring enough value to the table. Um, because Iron Hands already have the native reroll ones to hit for their heavy weapons. And because the main armies that have so many hit modifiers are Eldar, and we have the plus one to hit Litany and the efficiency of Chaplain Dreads to deal with that matchup, and then Chaos, where we have the Eliminators to deal with their characters behind the screens, we just felt like we didn't really need um, those the full rerolls from the, the Chapter Master. Um, it's nice to have a Smash Captain, but it's not really necessary, and sometimes it tempts you to do plays you really shouldn't. I love my Smash Captain Pioneer. It's a student history damage for Smash Captain has done so much work for me. I just can't live without one. But at the same time, a Leviathan also very much appreciates student of history. Yeah, it would be play it'd be competing with those roles because right. the master crafting we're also using that sometimes on the hammer in the squad oh, yeah, for science of Forge. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So um with your Leviathan uh, was that always in your list in the construction phase, or was that something you added in at the very last minute when you saw the terrain? That was from the very beginning. That was Ruben's idea with the core of the army, and then John and I started building onto it. Now, what was the why? I've always written the Relic Contemptor, which is a little janky and ghetto, but why the Leviathan? Because usually top players view a Leviathan as something very easy to play around. Yeah, so it has limited range. It's only if you're 32.1 away from it, it's not going to do anything. 28 if you have a Tremor Shell. If you have Tremor Shell, um, the thing about the Leviathan is because we were playing for midboard the game in each game, if you're within 24 inches, if you want to come within the middle objectives or try and pick recon or anything like that, he is just going to obliterate whatever he targets. Um, he has a ridiculous amount of um, volume, and he's also got uh, multi-damage weapons, which help. Uh, we, we were taking 300 killers on him to give us even more added 48 inch uh, threat radius and the other thing is the leviathan is kind of i don't know it's yes it is seen as that i was initially uh, hesitant to run it because i had joked about it earlier in the season as kind of like the easy win button yeah you know it's just a very low skill kind of um tool but in our list the leviathan actually doesn't even have to shoot it's more of a threat okay it's a threat to dominate midfield if you want to come within our radius um, you were going to have to deal with this guy. Yeah, and I think you guys kind of last minute fell into a huge boon with the Leviathan. Uh, I was just talking to Mark Perry the other day about the Leviathan in regards to how it handles terrain. Usually on a more normalized table with two L shapes in the middle of the table, Leviathan either picks the middle and can only shoot tunnel vision through the middle. He picks the left side, can shoot the left side, and he picks the right side, can only shoot the right side. The way that LVO did the terrain setup, it basically – those giant L's they had were doing double duty. They were not only the L's in midboard, they were also the line of sight blockers in your deployment zone. So they kind of they kind of half-assed both jobs, 
which meant the Leviathan had more or less free reign over the entire center of the table, which is exactly what you want to be using for it. So that, I think, really helped your, your army out last minute. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think the terrain format um, really benefited the style that we wanted to play because we don't need to hide our army in the middle of the field. It's durable enough. Right. Whereas most armies that want to be there, things like Nerdlings, they want to be hiding away in a, in a ruin or a box. Yeah. Um, and the top 100 tables simply didn't have that option. Yeah. That was actually really hard for... Uh, my older iron hands to deal with because I did want to hide a little bit and uh, it was not good. <laughs> um, so the Leviathan, I've thought about running a Leviathan instead of my Contemptor with a Storm Cannon and a Drill so it can actually fight in close combat should mm-hmm. someone try to tag it or something. Now, of course, you have student history to get out of tags, but because your army functions like a brick and then also it, it just doesn't have fly, you could just wrap it, nothing stopping that. Um, besides positioning right right there's uh there's always that it's nice to be able to threaten someone with actual punches um was that something you guys considered or you just wanted that volume because i part of my logic is if a good player is going to play around it i'd rather him just fight around one gun not two yeah i think if you if say the chaplain dread was just sent to legends or something and it totally disappears i think you have to go with one of the combat fists Mm -hmm. um but we felt that intercessor spam was going to be actually more prevalent than it was um, you know, it was decently right, there. There right. was a lot of intercessors, right. but we fell with the double storm cannon. We just straight up win yeah. the mirror matchup. Yeah, especially matchup against fists, like because the fists can't kill a leviathan through Koch state martyrdom. So yeah, if they have fifty, sixty intercessors, like you have a strength eight minus three, two damage gun. Good game. <laughs> we did a bit, a little bit of a misdirection there, a charity hammer, showing off this imperial fistless that was intercessor based. And we felt like a decent amount of people might switch to something like that. I used Charity Hammer to actually practice my army that I was planning on bringing. (laughs) Some of us care about practicing. I don't know. (laughs) It was a a good fake out. It was a next level play in a game that's really not seen that kind of fake out type of. Nick, how did did that practice at Charity Hammer treat you then? How How did that work? (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's great. I won the RTT. Felt really good about my Iron Hands leaving the event. The Yellow White Scars. Did you? After losing the Imperial okay, Fist okay. three times? Let me just forge the narrative. Okay? <laughs> um, this isn't about me. Don't change the subject. <laughs> I know you want to talk about White Scars. So, back to Iron Hands. <laughs> uh, there, I do have a question. Was there... John, John has a question. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what were some of the other things that you guys considered for the list? We talked about the Thunderfire, obviously, right? Um, was there any other uh, things that? Well, we talked about the Librarian, right? We talked about the Smash Captain. Uh, I'm curious to hear what other things didn't make the cut in your iterations. Yeah, so it was you know Librarian, Smash Captain, the Suppressors, Thunderfire Cannon, Grab Pod, and we had. Um, other options like running a redemptor um, with the Leviathan, but and we ended up just, just chaplain dreads are too good not to have three of them, honestly. And that kind of around that, we started just trimming as much of the fat as possible. Um, so here's a thought you've obviously hyper designed your list to maximize ITC and LVO's format. It's great at the terrain, it's amazing at the missions, it plays its game really, really well. Do you think it's too specific to be just taken to another type of event like Adepticon or ETC, or do you think it translates, just put it on over and let it do what it does? I think it translates very well to this meta, 
However, with a lot of the new psychic awakening rules and books coming out, I think that can start to change. So that, that's a topical thing as well. I mean, granted, you took it to this trend with the known information. You obviously did great. Your team did awesome. Well done. Mm -hmm. But for those looking to bandwagon, all of you listeners out there who have no souls, um, <laughs> why don't you give them some things that some reasons why they shouldn't give them the new information we have about what's coming out? Um, so number one, there's going to be a lot more armies that can kind of abuse angles with mortal wounds, particularly Thousand Suns and Grey Knights. They both have really powerful redeploy tools or fire and fade like tools. Um, and then just a massive amount of mortal wounds. Um, so if you aren't super precise positioning with this army um, during LVO, you know, it kind of had that typical blueprint, but you didn't have to be hyper precise like you do with Tal. With the amount of smites and mortal wounds coming in during the psychic phase, you are going to have to be absolutely so precise with the Leviathan to make sure because you can't use cogitated martyrdom in the psychic phase. Yeah, and they, um, both armies have enough mortal wound spin to actually just kill that guy, no problem. With, and especially with all these powers that now have like plus two, plus three to cast, vortex of doom type style. Yeah, so you can get like a plus five to cast Infernal Gateway. This army does love to brick up, and that gateway is going to do D6 mortals to every unit yeah. nearby. You can could lose arrows, the apothecary, yeah. you know, it could yeah. get crazy. So that's a great point. You're not concerned about like the fact that you do have the four up deny his iron hands. It's not super reliable with the CPU rolled seventy five percent. But as anyone who's played this game long enough will tell you, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and you're starting most games with only six CP, so right, it's right. you know maybe you could so use that twice with the that's reroll. a great point. So you have fourteen to CP to start. This is yes. not insignificant, and you just said you start the games with six. What the hell do you spend them on? Yeah, six or seven. So you always start out one in list building. You spend the specialist attachment. The second one, you spend the field commander uh, stratagem to give the lieutenant the warlord trait, uh, great, great shield. Um, you don't have to. You can kind of save that CP if you're not going to use Indominus Crusaders, but I've used it every game at LVO just as insurance. After that, you're making Chief Apothecary. Um, you're spending that CP. You're also then spending Hero the Chapter to give him a warlord trait, Father of the Future, for the 5-0 Feel No Pain Aura. Um, after that, you are also going to do, um, usually I like to buy an extra relic, uh, the Tempered Helm usually uh, for the Apothecary so that I have a 5-up CP regen um, just for a little extra bit of play. Then you're taking Ironstone as your free relic. For the Leviathan, he was our actual warlord, so we spend one to make him a character, and then we spend another one to give him a second warlord trait from the Iron Hands discipline. Uh, the first trait was usually the 5-up Feel No Pain, and then you would pick between Student of History or the Exploding Sixes to hit. Um, usually the Student of History, just to be safe. You didn't want to lose by getting your Leviathan uh, Raptor tagged. Um, and then you could either do Scions of the Forge against like Raven Guard Centurions to make your um, Sergeant Thunderhammer uh, four damage hammer. Um, so that was generally what I was spending on. Um, so immediately you start with seven or six CP, which isn't isn't that much. Yeah. Right. But I imagine you don't really need to spend it on anything. Mostly, would you finish games with CP left? No, I would end up spending them, but I think it was the game against Jared Freeman I played, so another Iron Hand. He was playing the Iron Hands Brigade style, and I think by turn four, I still had like six CP left. Yeah. Um, Even when I played the Iron Hands Brigade, I would often find myself entering turns four, five, and six with CP left. So, you know, with games coming in 10 to an end, you might as well start using them very liberally, but... 
Yeah, I didn't need to use that many CP in that game. Yeah. Right. So I got a lot of good uh, CP discipline practice with the Tau list. Right. Um, so I knew I I didn't really have to use any of these. Well, I had a couple where I was like, I'm going to save half damage or cogitated martyrdom, and that's what I'm going to do this whole game. Or I'm going to save this like against Sean for three CP to snipe mm-hmm. at least once. Um, so I kind of had it pre figured yeah, out you, in my you mind. You knew what you were going to spend them on. Like I'll spend. I'll half damage for at least three turns. I'll concentrate more than three turns, and we're all CP snap at least once, maybe twice. And then whatever you have left over is kind of just whatever you feel like. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I used a single CP reroll the whole game, the whole uh, tournament, like a the basic generic reroll, um, because I was always planned to use it for particular things. Right. That's always good. I like to budget where I can like spend one to two CP rerolls if I just need to. But your list doesn't have any clutch rolls. There's nothing, no charges to make. There's no super important save to pass. There's no psychic power to go off. There's just this is what I'm standing here, and, and you know that that's how you achieve such high levels of consistency. I suppose you play armies that don't rely on any linchpin thing, no matter how reliable it might be. Plus three to cast warp time or whatever. It's you. You've already just could fail. There. Yeah, could fail. I, I can personally tell you I have failed three inch charges with CP rerolls, so <laughs> believe me, they do fail. So one, awesome. one thing that's kind of interesting in thinking about your list is um intercessors are so dirty cheap. You know, like a five man squad is what, like eighty five points or something? So like yeah, eighty five points. Yeah, seventeen points a model or whatever. Um mm-hmm. and it's two wounds per model, but like trying to chew through five up invul plus five up feel no pain, like there's not an efficient way to chew through those things the way the current meta is. I mean, you know, there's... Yeah, I mean, you got to see this in my game against uh, Justin Lois, where I was able to do uh, quite a bit of damage turn one because he rolled a six into a six for his Scorpius Disintegra- Disintegrator to explode, doing like roughly 20 mortal wounds to his army, uh, all in a bunch. And then he was like, okay, I have to respond to this. I can't just take this for another turn. So he decides to drop his grab pod, Ensign redeploys his smash captain and charges him into my lines to try and just clear away as much of my front screen as possible for the sanguinary guard the following turn. And between those two units, the the smash captain and the grab pod, you would think he would kill at least a full squad, but he only ended up killing about seven intercessors um, and not even getting a kill that turn, which just speaks to how kind of crazy durable this army is. Well, and the other thing is like the the bits that you want to touch, you want to get a hold of those chaplain dreads but the intercessors have to die before you can even interact with those things. Right. So like, because you know, the intercessors are kind of, if you can imagine it, a bubble around everything and uh, you can't interact with the Leviathan dreadnought because it takes half damage with the strat. If you want it to, it's minus one damage with the iron stone. Then you have cogitated martyrdom to like give it double feel no pain on any damage that actually goes through. Cause you get to roll it on your Leviathan. You get to roll your save. You get to roll the, the feel no pain on the model that you slough it off to. Um, like, so you, the only thing you can interact with is the stupid intercessors. And like I said, like you spend your whole turn smashing into them. You kill a unit of intercessors. Congratulations. You killed like 160 points. <laughs> then you get like smashed in return. Right. Am I, am I seeing this right? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty extremely much powerful. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's not a good way to approach this list. So one question I've gotten quite a bit as a 40k list designer and coach in the past week is how, what do, what, assuming shop and dreads get nerfed or go to legends or just stop being a thing, how does one take your list and, and 
replace that last 500 points. Can they just play 1,500 points into 2,000? <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> I mean, it might be. I think one option is to just go with even more intercessors and really take advantage of Indominus Crusaders, have another you know 10 or so intercessors in there um, for even more board control, more melee. It's um, also... Like that kind of replaces two last cans. It is a fair amount of shooting. Maybe not against like toughness eight with yeah. knights, but against like an Eldar plane, ten intercessors are good for two to four damage easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wasn't too worried about toughness eight simply because you have at, once the Leviathan's sitting in the middle of the board and you can scream with the five mans. Yeah. Um, you're just you're just controlling the board. And it doesn't anything. matter how many melt the can shots they have with cogitated martyrdom, nothing happens. Yeah. So just more intercessors? More intercessors. You could go with impulsors. That's another option I didn't mention that we tested. I'm a big fan of impulsors with the shield dome for their durability, for their screening ability, for how quick they are to get on objectives. Basically a reptile that doesn't shoot. <laughs> Basically. Um, they have a little bit of anti-infantry shooting. Um, so I think um, maybe one throwing an impulsor in there could be helpful. Yeah. Um, Gets you around the board faster. Gets you, yeah, because you can put, you can put one, a five man in there. One of the five man crusader units, and it can just do a ton of work. Yeah. It's also nice, I suppose, to be able to put one of your primaries characters in there in case you're really worried about dying to Raven Guard snipers or something. Or getting like that. the plus one to go first. Right, right. Drop um, manipulation. You could put multiple primaries in there just to slowly reduce yeah. your drops. It can go and tag things mm -hmm. and be annoying. It's very useful. So. I mean, that basically wraps it up for me. I just want to go through all your specific matchups now. That'll be in episode two. John, do you have any more questions? No, but I'm actually super – This is I'm a little bit sick, I admit it. But I'm really looking forward to the, the discussion about the mirror because I think I think that's actually going to be an interesting – Like, I think it's pretty deep cuts to actually win the mirror. I think that discussion is actually going to have value. And I do think – There's a lot list, of them. Yes, this list is going to have a lot of legs because a lot of people are going to be like – well, just some intercessors, and I got to find a Leviathan. I can do that, you know. <laughs> you know, like it's it's not a lot to it, right? <clears throat> um, so yeah, I think that's going to be great in, in in part two. And basically, if you guys want to hear that, all you have to do is sign up for our Patreon, which I'm going to point out is a tremendous value now because since we've been doing this now for. I don't know, six-ish months. There's like 27, 28 episodes are going to be in there uh, for your six bucks. So you're going to get like 26 hours of entertainment basically for your $6. So I think it's becoming a very good value to sign up for our Patreon. Um, anything else you want to mention, Nick? Or No, I think we're good. I just want to say a big thank you to the Frontline Network for letting us be a part of them. And uh, if you want to learn more about competitive 40K stats, Pablo memes, the whole nine yards. Just check out those things. Signals of the Frontline, 40K Stat Center, um, Chapter Taxes. They're all great podcasts for consumption by you guys. Oh, they're, they're better than great podcasts. And it's great. You can just uh, go ahead and subscribe to the Frontline Gaming Network. You get us. Uh, you get, like he said, Stat Center, which is the second best competitive podcast in 40K land. Uh, that's for you, Val. Uh, <laughs> that's never going to get old. Um, and, you know, again, it's it's a it's a nice easy way to keep up abreast of what's going on in the meta because you you get signals from the front line which tells you what's coming down the pipe <clears throat> you get stat center which tells you what happened and you get chapter tactics which they delve into a lot of concepts with players like Brandon Grant and Scary like they they get pretty deep into some pretty cool concepts so like it's it's a really well-rounded channel and then you get us where we talk to the best players in the world so <clears throat> awesome 
Thanks, Richard, for coming on. It was a pleasure having you as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. Anytime. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, patrons, we'll see you at episode two. Otherwise, we'll see everybody else next week. Peace. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Natavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time.